Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio radio in the morning. You're with the double L team, Lyle, and Lil Lawson. Yeah, 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 yeah. Whatever, whatever, whatever. River Radio. We're speaking. How long, how long after you've had COVID do you get to claim COVID brain fog for? Um, look, I think as, as much as you want, because people have, like, I've talked to people, they're like, yeah, I had brain fog for like, Three months. <laughs> I'm like, really? Like, I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, go, go you. Yeah. Uh, Fair enough. So, yeah. I, I I'm, guess. This is what I'm thankful for this morning. I'm thankful I can claim COVID brain fog for yeah. the next three months. Dude, I, I stumble. It's my, it's, my, it's my excuse. Anything anything where I mess up, that's my excuse from here on in. Man, I stumble over words, words all the time. Like, I just did it then. Uh, but always that one point in every sermon I preach, there will be, like, some tongue twister that I'll fail at and then I'll make everyone laugh because I, like, I, like, kind of stumble over myself. And well, then, what can you do? You just got to you just got to get out there and own it when you do. That's right. And then I laugh, and then everyone laughs too. And then yeah, this, and it's all fine. It's pretty funny. But um, yeah, Lyle. Anyways, I I am happy that you are still claiming COVID <laughs> brain fog. And um, I'm I'm really happy too. We actually we had a like a fair day at the Newcastle Uni yesterday, and we had a stall set up where we reached people and offered them to do Bible studies and come to church, and people responded and said yes. So praise the Lord for working on our local university campus. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. You're listening to the Breakfast Show here on Faith FM, which means that we're about to begin with the first question for our quiz. And of course, if you get the first question right, that gives you what double double entry for the prize. That is correct. If you're the first one in, I just want to shout out that song. That was like, that was like one of the greatest songs I've ever heard. This is Daily and Vincent with My Savior Walks With Me Today. What a way to start the morning. Isn't that so true? He is walking with us and now we're going to get into our first clue for the quiz. So hopefully he's walking with you guys so that you've got the, the knowledge to be able to answer this in the first go and get double entries into the prize if you are the first caller or texter through with the correct answer. My grandson was named Ichabod which means the glory has departed from Israel. That is an unfortunate name. That it is, is that is that is awful. But um well, knowing uh knowing who this person is and knowing their grandson and just working out the timeline, I'm like, yeah, I can see why that's true. Yeah. The glory has departed from uh-huh. Israel. Uh-huh. Um, if you answer the quiz correctly, your name will go into the draw. If you're first, you'll go into the draw twice. But your name will go into the draw to win our prize for this week, which is Bibliopoly, the board game, which is exactly as it sounds. It's a Bible version of Monopoly, where instead of working against each other and ruthless capitalism, you're working together to build churches. So, 0491-064-669, uh, whose grandson was... Was named Ichabod. Okay, if you know the answer, give us a call right now or shoot us a text message. I would recommend that you do so because you'll get a double draw. Mm. All right, let's talk about some positively different news. Lawson, what have you got for us? Oh, so I just, uh, I got some stories here, but I also want to talk about yesterday as well. I, I briefly mentioned we had our, uh, our stall set up at uh, Newcastle Uni and it was actually, this event was a lot more low key than like an O week or whatnot where it was, it was really just a few stalls. And, um, well, by a few, I think there was like, 
uh, seven, eight, something like that. And I think God really, really blessed us. We were like the only Christian stall uh, there that had committed to come, and we had like set up some food and whatnot. And as a result, uh, we just had a bunch of people coming in and being interested in spending time with us and coming to our Friday night programs and coming to church. And so, yeah, it was definitely a, a massive blessing yesterday. But also, uh, they had some other uh, other stalls set up and whatnot, and one of them was a stall for the Bachelor of Biomedical Science Society. That was one of the. That's right. one of the clubs at uni, yes. and um, I am currently wearing a Bachelor of Biomedical Science Society hat. No, you're not. Yes, I, well, I just took it off to read the, the front of it. Um, but the Biomedical Science Society, they uh, had this stall set up and they had a competition where if you, um, you basically had to put on PPE really, really fast, like you had to put on like a gown and put on gloves and goggles and a mask really quickly and then run around uh, this like they well, they put okay, this. So they had a competition where, you, where, where it was like you need to make an idiot out of yourself. Yeah, but it's like a race. A race to make an idiot out of yourself. That's right. And if there's one thing I know about, it's racing. Yes. And I was like, And making an idiot out of yourself. uh, That's right. (laughs) Of course. And I was like, I can do this well. I can win. And it's so funny. Like, I'm like, okay. Before I started, like most people are just kind of casually participating, but I'm like, man, I want to win this. Like, this is Lawson's There's something inside of me. And so before I started, I'm like, okay, so how does the gown open? And I'm just like, they're just explaining it to me. I'm like, oh. And, and the gloves go on. I'm just thinking about the order I should put it, do this in. And they're like, man, you are really serious about this. Like, <laughs> he wants this hat. I, no, 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 no. I'll get there. I'll get there. But, um, I just, I want to win. And so I work it out. I think about it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And then, so I start, I put all the PP on, run around the point, come back and finish. And I was like five seconds quicker than the next best person. <laughs> this is what happens when a professional competitor. That's right. That's right. But the funny thing was, is I, I, I I win. I win the race. Yes. And I get it and they're like, whoa, good job. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that, that was awesome. And they're like, they're like, oh, so like you came for the prize? And I'm like, wait, what 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 prize? <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, wait, so you just did this just to win? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was so funny. But my prize was that I got this cool hat, a Bachelor of Biomedical Science Society hat. Yes. Uh, which, dude, there is... I'm, Do you get free membership in the society? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not studying biomedical science. And uh, I also got a free drinks voucher to Bar on the Hill, which is the bar that's inside the uni. And I can't wait to cash that in, getting myself a, a nice cup of orange juice or a cup of water or something <laughs> like that. Like, it stipulates on the back. It's like, oh, you can have a beer or a spirit or something. And I'm like, look, I don't... I actually told them when they gave it to me. They're like, yeah, you can take this in and get a drink from the bar. I'm like, oh, actually, I I don't drink. Like, I don't drink alcohol. Like, is there something else I can get? And they're like, uh... Yeah, I, I guess yeah, so. Most, I think most bars and pubs have at least soft drink. Oh, no, 100% so, they do, but I'm like... That's not very I'm like, either. Yeah, but I'm like, oh, am I allowed to... Ca- am I allowed to use this drinks voucher to cash that in? So, you go take your drinks voucher and ask for a glass of water. That's right, that's right. Well, in a bar, like, glasses of water are free. Yes. They have to be. So it has to be something worth money. So that's how I was saying, like, some orange juice it's or something like that. I'm just... I'm really looking just forward to it. Just go out the back it. and squeeze me a freshly squeezed orange juice. Yeah, yeah that's... Tell, tell them to do that. That's right. Hey, You've got some orange and tea. Hey, actually, I brought my own. Can you just, like, cut these up and squeeze them? Um, but anyways, in some other news. All right, Lyle. Yes. Okay, so you are a woman who lives in Tennessee. No. No, but, like, let's say that you are. Okay. And you're in bed during a thunderstorm. 
mm-hmm. uh, with your husband. I like thunderstorms. And all of a sudden, uh, a stranger comes and gets into your bed. Oh, in Tennessee? In Tennessee. Yeah, you pull out a gun. Yeah, okay, it's yeah, yeah. a gun state. But so you, obviously you'd get frightened, right? Yes. You, and you but look your over, husband's beside you. Your husband's beside you. And he, he kind of jumps as well. And you both turn around and look. The stranger that is laid down in the middle of you is actually a dog, but it's not your dog. Okay. And you're incredibly yep, perplexed. I'm a lot less frightened right now. Yes, but it perplexed and confused because you own three dogs. Oh, it's come past all of those dogs. And it's gone past all of those dogs and come into your room. It's scared of the thunder. And snuggled into bed with you. Yeah, it's and scared that, of the thunder. That I'm, is I'm, the... St- that is the story of a woman in Tennessee named Julie Johnson. It's also the story of the man. You could have... Yeah, that's right. But I just... I just missed, You could have said, if you're a man in Tennessee, I could have related to that better. No, but I just, I just liked calling you a woman. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that, was the, that was the amusing part for me. Um, but yeah, they found that this stranger wasn't trying to steal anything, wasn't trying to do anything other than just snuggle up. Because just wanted, was, just was scared of the thunder. Basically, this was a dog and the dog's name was Nala. And the dog, the previous day, was out uh, on a walk with its owners when a thunderstorm started. So that it's, you know, prolonged thunderstorm there that went over a couple days yep. and when the thunderstorm started it got out of its collar and just run into the bush oh yeah and they like it was just gone and they like spent some time looking but ultimately like couldn't find this dog yep. and they're like oh look he'll turn up somewhere he'll turn up somewhere um and he turned up in some other person's bed and so it was actually <laughs> it's a, like a really cute story like then uh julie john the johnson's day kind of reached out on facebook they're like hey does anyone know whose dog this is like i can't do- just scan the mark of the beast chip and the- yeah that's right that's right but they thought oh, okay before going to the vet and having to do this like maybe we know the person on facebook and they had some adjacent friends in the same town that was like actually yeah we know exactly whose dog that is and then you know they got in contact and returned the dog and now they're all friends and they all walk their dogs together which is super cute that is awesome. uh, but i was like that, that's just the best story so they obviously bro. got one of these dog doors you know pet doors yeah and, i think i think the, so the dogs just well like, actually oh, there's a house they, i need shelter i'm they, scared they actually don't know i don't think they have a dog door because they're still trying to work out how the dog got in the house oh that is the biggest perplexing thing to them whether they jump through like a window or something they're like but who has a window open in a thunderstorm? That's right. They just uh, they just don't. Or maybe he got into the house like way earlier. Yeah, and was hiding away somewhere else, and then the thunder got worse, and so it's like, <laughs> yeah, I need to be in bed with some humans right now. <laughs> yeah, something like that. But um, basically, they're they're still perplexed, but ultimately the situation has been sorted out. So good for them. Because a dog really will cute. a dog will typically find a uh, you know a dark place mm. a dark small like a den because dogs are a den kind of animal mm. it'll, it'll try and find a den if it's afraid of thunder i mean my dog loves thunder and gets super excited and barks at it and drives the neighbors nuts because <laughs> he's just like oh this is so much fun because <laughs> everything is his favorite thing yeah um, oh dude spraying your dog with the hose is just like yeah, the funnest just thing like, ever don't even get get me started on the hose but, <laughs> um yeah so so, but so, you know, dogs when they're scared, they'll typically you know go down in, and so maybe he went, you know, he got into the house earlier in the day, went and hid underneath a couch or underneath a cupboard or something like that, mm. and then when everyone goes to bed, it's like, well, it's bedtime. I need to be in bed with humans. Yeah, yep. Maybe maybe that's how the dog's mind worked. And so, like this dog is probably in well in Tennessee, the single most successful tr- uh, intruder of all time. Because, you know, most intruders in that area, as you said, yeah, that is a gun state. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want to go and climb into bed with a couple in Tennessee or <laughs> yeah, somewhere but, in the deep but south. This, this guy, he, he lived to tell the tale. 
You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. About to get into some more serious news. Before we do, another clue for our quiz. All right, another clue for the quiz. My son's names are Hophni and Phineas. Oh, okay. Or Phinehas. Because this is, I was like Phineas, but then this has a H in it. So Phinehas. My it's son's Phineas. names are Hophni and Phineas. Yeah, it's Phineas. But doesn't Phineas not have a H in it? I don't know. I've always called them, called them Phineas. No, I'm calling it Phinehas. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you answer the question correctly. You will go into the draw to win a Bibleopoly, the board game. All you have to do when you answer is say, may I enter the quiz? And then you will uh, sorry, may I enter the draw? And you will enter the draw. But 0491-064-669, my son's names are Hophni and Phinehas. Phineas. Well, the Bible says as it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, so shall it be at the time of the sun, coming of the Son of Man. Yeah, bro. And we see this happening. This is the Wellington Middle School in Colorado. And they used an art event, or they advertised an art event, to lure students to a radical gender ideology grooming program Mm. and so basically when the students got there it had absolutely nothing to do with art whatsoever at all and it kind of leaked out when one of the daughters came home and revealed that a speaker had told them that they may be transgender if they were not comfortable in their bodies and i kind of you know i read that right there i'm like ask myself the question okay what teenage girl is comfortable in their body you know we all go through that stage i remember Mm. that stage myself as a teenage boy and boys don't deal with it you know as much as girls do but you Mm. still go through that stage Mm. And so instantly, you know, everyone there is like, oh, yeah, I'm a little bit uncomfortable. And so she just told them all that they're, you know, transgender. But anyway, uh, and of course this, was, this, this leaked out despite the youngsters who were going there. They were all asked to keep the details of the meeting a secret. Wow. And were warned by the speakers and the students that their parents were not safe. So this is an interesting one. You know, you, you you think of that typical question that you ask kids when they come home from school. You know, what did you learn in school today? Well, I can't tell you because you're evil. Yes, it's morally good to lie to parents. That's what I learned in school today. Male and female doesn't exist, and marriage in the new new and and the nuclear family is immoral. So that's that's what you're learning in school today. <laughs> that's immoral. <clears throat> okay, so this, this was a class that was that taught by uh, LB, LGBTQ uh, plus activist uh, Kimberly Chambers, uh, who is the head of an LGBT plus advocacy group called Splash. Um, and she told the children if they were not 100% comfortable, 100% comfortable in their female body, that they were then transgender. So just, you know, 0.01% uncomfortable then you're transgender. Mm. Uh, she then went on to tell these uh, children that they were not safe around their parents and it's okay to mm. lie to them um, about where they were in order to attend the meeting. Uh, the children and other staff, uh, she, she told the, the children and the other staff to never share the names of anyone who, is, who was in the meeting. Of course, this was remember this was advertised as an art group, uh, an after-school art group. Uh, she claimed that heterosexuality and monogamy, monogamy were not normal, Oof. that they were, you know, an aberration. Uh, teachers do not have... Okay, so, so this, is the, this is the whole issue here, is that teachers don't have the professional ability uh, to diagnose children with gender dysphoria. No. 
you know, if if we had teachers out there who, for instance, you know, diagnosed a child with cancer and sent them off for chemotherapy, we would be upset. If we had teachers out there who diagnosed a child with diabetes and said, you know, you've got diabetes, you need to have your feet amputated, we would be upset by that. Mm. And we would say, you not, you do not have the qualifications to diagnose and prescribe. But the world in which we live right now is this is the single most uh uh, damaging mental illness that there is, which is gender dysphoria, and it is still listed as a mental illness, DSM-5 and so forth. Um, and it is the most difficult to treat. And uh, we are handing this over to school teachers to diagnose and prescribe and to treat. What is going on with our world when this kind of thing happens? Mm. Uh Teachers have no right to pursue children without parental knowledge or consent. You know, there is a thing called parents and there's a thing called uh, teachers and teachers are never to take the place of parents, but unfortunately that is uh, what is taking place. And so, you know, gender confusion is the most complex and sensitive issue that exists in psychology. Mm. And now we have primary school teachers who are able to, you know, diagnose and prescribe uh, this is something that needs to be handled by the, with the utmost care by parents and by trained medical professionals. Anyway, that's uh, my little rant on that one right now, but we just see the crazy world in which we live right now. Yeah, sorry. I was just like looking up this this group, Splash, and I was looking up like Kimberly Chambers and, you know, kind of what they've, they've been up to. Like there's specifically a group um, targeted at like reaching young people with the LGBT message. Like that's, yeah, that's right. That's, that's, are, that's, that's what they set up to do. They're yeah. a grooming organization. Mm. This is conversion therapy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, you know, you want to outlaw conversion therapy, these are the groups that should be outlawed <laughs> because they have an agenda to convert everybody away from heteronormativity. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and this, is their, uh, this is their mantra. This is their mantra. This is kind of eerie because it's like they're like, we can save our kids. We can change the statistics. Change. We can change. That's that's conversion therapy right there. You know, if we said we can change the statistics amongst LGBT plus community, we would be locked up for for you know anti- yep. by anti conversion therapy laws. Uh-huh. So you can change one direction, but you can't change the other. Yeah, as it was in the days of Lot. So shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. That's what the Bible says. Heavy. Mm. Okay, moving on in a similar story, Alaskan Airlines has uh, um, in, in in a bit of hot water at the moment. So oh. they uh, they posted on, on uh, an article on an online employee message board about their support for the Equality Act and asked for employee comments. So the Equality Act, you know, Joe Biden's bringing the Equality Act through. Mm-hmm. Uh, they post up an article about it and they invite all of their uh, employees to comment. Well, a couple of people did. Now, the Equality Act provides equality for everyone, once again, except for heteronormative families Mm. and people of faith. Uh, Heteronormative families and people of faith are targeted by the Equality Act for discrimination. Mm. Uh, What the employees didn't know was that when this um, article was actually posted up and they were invited to comment, that the airline was actually fishing for opinion so that they would know who to fire. Yes. Oh, so you had wow. you had Marley Brown and Lacey Smith, who were exemplary flight attendants, who expressed some concerns about the Equality Act. 
Um, and Marley asked, you know, does Alaska support endangering the church, encouraging suppression of religious freedom, obliterating women's rights and parental rights? Mm. Uh, Lacey said, as a company, do you think it's possible to regulate morality? I think these are, you know, very mild comments, really. Wow. Those were the two comments that were posted. They were uh, immediately fired for their comments, <laughs> claiming that their beliefs were discriminatory, hateful and offensive. That's so heavy. So you can't get much more discriminatory, hateful and offensive than firing someone from their job. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, very clearly uh, Alaska Airlines treatment of Marlene Lacey does not uh, tolerate employees who hold biblical-based religious beliefs on issues of sexuality. Mm. They're just not going to tolerate that kind of stuff. And so, you know, Stephanie Torb, who is the senior counsel for First Liberty Institute, uh, of course they've sued over this one, uh, in a news release said, Alaska Airlines cancelled Lacey and Marley because of their religious beliefs, flagrantly disregarding federal civil laws that protect people of faith from discrimination. Well, we don't have that in Australia, of course. Mm. Uh, it is a blatant violation of state and federal civil laws to discriminate against someone in the workplace because of their religious beliefs and expression. Mm. Wow, wish we had that kind of those kind of laws here. Mm. Anyway, uh, equality and freedom from discrimination, they exist for everyone except for people of faith. Mm. People of faith in our world today are singled out for deserving the highest level of discrimination and bigotry, and we shouldn't be surprised at that because Matthew chapter 24 is the signs of the times passage in the Bible, mm. and in verse 9 it says, Then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and you shall be hated of all nations for my mm. namesake. You know, you could retranslate that. Then they shall deliver you up to be discriminated against, and you shall be treated with bigotry by all nations for my namesake. Mm. So should we be surprised at this? No, we should not be surprised. Should we see it turning around and changing and getting better? No, we should not, because Jesus is coming soon, and we should expect to see these things grow worse and worse Mm. the closer we get to the return of Christ. We just need to stand up for the truth and what the Bible says. It's that simple. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. About to get into our interview of the day. Before we do... Once again, Lawson has the third clue for our quiz. Yes, after hearing that the Ark of God had been captured by the Philistines, I fell backward on my chair and died. Who was that? Who 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 was that? They heard they were so broke, shocked. Broke the neck. They just, just passed away. Bam. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine is the number to call if you know the answer. If you do, you will go into the draw to win Bibleopoly, the board game that will be drawn tomorrow. Uh, but again, let's read that uh, clue one more time. That question, that uh, that quiz clue. Sorry. After hearing that the Ark of God had been captured by the Philistines, I fell backward on my chair and died. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Well, joining us on the phone this morning is our resident Genesis expert, Barand Neustratton. Barand, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning to you, Alaris. And, of course, Barand, you know, we've actually been in our Bible study time being, you know, going through the book of Genesis, which is fantastic, but not at the depth that you take us through the book of Genesis. So we are very glad that you have been doing that, giving us so much background and also taking us to an extra level. Uh, this month we must be up to Genesis chapter 35, I'm thinking. Yeah, that's the one. It's not a big chapter, but it's actually very fundamental and very important. But um, it yeah. contains certainly some very interesting details. Okay, so we've we've gone through some fairly hectic experiences in Jacob's life uh, previous yeah. to this particular chapter, 
And in this one, it almost seems like things have spun so wildly out of control that Jacob is like, okay, how do I, how do I, how do I get these, how do I get my life back to the life of my family back together again? Is that what, is that what we're seeing happening here in chapter 35? Well, you're so right. I mean, here we have 12 boys, most of them rather unruly and headstrong. One uh, young lady who wanted to find out about the world in her own way and did. And so, uh, yeah, that there were complications. The, the, the biggest one with Isa was resolved peaceably, thanks to the interference of God. And that was wonderful. That settled a great deal for him. But then his sons put him into problem. We looked at the Dino the Dina incident uh, the last time we spoke. Um, but God still continued to protect him, and uh, he knew that God would. But he did feel it necessary to relocate, so he did do that. And he's going further down south, ultimately ending up uh, meeting up again with his father, of course, uh, Isaac. Uh, but there were incidents on the way. Okay, so take us take us take us through chapter thirty five here in this uh, in this journey to Bethel and, and and what they actually do when they go there. Yeah. This is the interesting part. So the Lord said, go to Bethel. You remember Bethel was where he had this fantastic uh, experience of the letter going into heaven. He had the vision of God. God came to him. God gave him assurances. So this place, Bethel, or Bethel, which means the house of God, was really very significant and important to Jacob. And God said, make an altar there, and, and just to reflect. And I think, uh, Lyle, this is the key. We forget how God has led us in the past. We're in trouble. Mm. And so God reminds him what he's done for him all those more than two decades that he has had his hand over him, and he, he kept him. And then Jacob knew that. And so then, then God says, now you put away the foreign gods that are amongst you. Uh, Jacob had been lenient with some of the the pagan uh, images and the pagan uh, contraptions that uh, came in the various forms. And God uh, told him to clean it. We have a reformation, actually, Lyle. We have a reformation on our hands here. Because um, he says not only that, just put the foreign gods in, the, in their hands, but he says also to change their clothes and to take away the some of the jewelry, which could have been amulets and have a yeah, pagan significance. In other words, he is the only God, and they got to prepare themselves when he uh, draws closer to them, and I like that. And uh, so there's an altar, there is a, a cleaning up of the gods that were in their hands, the earrings that were in their ear, and he hides them, he, he puts them in a big hole, and uh, so they tidy up their perception of God and perhaps also their lifestyle. Okay, so and this we, we would think would be a bit of a sacrifice because, you know, when the Bible talks about them getting their jewellery and clearly the jewellery had something to do with their pagan worship here in this context, um, yeah. we would think these are these are articles that are valuable in, in, in this yeah. time. And I think there's yeah, possibly I, a lesson for us there sometimes when, you know, when we come to God and we make that full surrender to God that maybe there's going to be things in our life that we need to get rid of and maybe those things are going yes. to be valuable from time to time, and maybe that's a sacrifice that we need to make in order to draw closer to God. 
And that is, and, and is so true, because when you look at verse 2 there of that, that 36th chapter, purify yourself and change your garments. Now, if you're going to appear before God, it's just a suggestion. But here it is, there's an example, because later on, hundreds of years later on, as they come out of Egypt, there is a very similar uh, exercise where people draw closer to God and they got to wash themselves and their clothes. And so here we have, you know, change your garments. In other words, tidy yourself up, purify yourself. Uh, this, is, uh, this is very significant. An outward appearance does reflect an inner condition. So it's an interesting go, observation that you make right there because in today's you know modern society it's very trendy I guess for you know church folk to say look it's what's on the inside that matters not what's on the outside and so therefore you know when I come to God I'm just going to come however I am and there's an element of truth to that but there's also an element of okay there are some things that you can do that yeah. are things that just give honor show honor and respect for God and if you can show honor and respect then do so yeah, and, and the honor and respect that you show is an inner a reflection of an inner condition, isn't it? Yes. <clears throat> yes. Absolutely. So there you are. Now, so he builds the altar, they do all that, and then one sad occasion in verse 8 where uh, Deborah, Deborah means bee, by the way, Rebecca's nurse died, and she must have been about 150 years of age, and uh, that was a, a sad occasion, of course. She must have been part of that household for ever so long. And uh, then he comes to the place, and there is a repetition again, a reminder that God actually approaches again uh, uh, Jacob. Uh, it says here, God appeared to Jacob again. And it's interesting, it's not just a dream that there was something physical, that the Bible is light on details, but there is some physical presence there where God uh, <clears throat> actually... Uh, affirms with him his, uh, the, the covenant promises that he will be fruitful and uh, that the land will be given to his posterity. And then there is, the again, the anointing of the pillar of the place where he had talked with him and uh, he poured out oil and, and, and wine. That's symbolic of, obviously, a spiritual condition and an approach and... Uh, he, he the names the same place Bethel, which means again house of God. So there is an, there is another encounter with God, uh, assuring him of his uh, <clears throat> of his covenant promises. And then the sad thing, of course, well, happy bittersweet experience. He gets one more son by his favorite wife Rachel, and uh, <clears throat> however he he loses her but gains a son. Mm. It's, it's an interesting little... You remember that Rachel had said to Jacob, give me a child or else I die? Yes. Well, she has now a second son here, a second son, and his name is Benjamin, and she dies. Mm. And she knows that she is dying, and she she calls him Ben-Oni. Ben-Oni means son of my pain, son of my misfortune, if you like. But Jacob uh, renames him as Benjamin. And Yamin means right hand. He says, son of my right hand. He's delighted with the son, but heartbroken of the loss, of course, of the one woman that he really loves. Indeed. And, and you know, this whole story here, you know, you see just 
completely crazy events that have taken place in the previous chapters, you know, and particularly what was what happened with the Shechemites and so forth. You can understand that Jacob would be really be wondering, you know, are the promises of God after all that my family has done and what my family has been involved with, you know, are those promises of God still there? Is God still going to honor those promises? Because I mean, there's really terrible stuff that's happened in the previous chapters. And so you can sort of yeah. see, you know, Jacob in many ways is going back to where it all began. It's where his walk with yeah. God began. He goes back to Bethel, where he 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 slept with his with his head on a on a stone, and yeah. and where he had the vision of God and received the promises of God. And so he goes back to reconnect with God, and God honors that. God reconnects with him there, and then you've got this yeah. tragic story that you know if you, you can sort of see that if if he had lost Rachel before yeah. he made this reconnection with God. Yeah, it would be so much yeah. more tragic because he would really be thinking, well, maybe you know, this is the punishment that God is bringing upon me. Yeah, yeah, that is true. But you know, God had his uh, his plans for Jacob. He did, uh, you know, for Israel itself, the chosen nation. Uh, it's wonderful that you, if you consider, particularly the Book of Genesis. Uh, the way that God had preserved his people that were not worthy of preservation, but he did. So it's really yes. quite amazing what he's done for them. Mm, mm. And, and particularly, and, you know, when you see that he tells them to put away the strange gods that are amongst them. You know, idolatry has been creeping into his family. And, uh, you know, in some ways you can see that he's bringing about this reformation because, you know, maybe those hectic events that took place in the previous chapter Maybe he looks at that and says, well, idolatry has crept in and, and, and this is the kind of mindset that that has created and we need to get rid of this. We need to root it out of the family. We need to get back to God. Yeah, that's what he realized. And then you look at the condition, as I said, of these sons. I mean, there is the incident of Reuben, of course, that he laid this uh, Bilhah's father's concubine. He had a sexual relationship there, which is a form of incest. That was devastating to Jacob. And there's little said about it, but... It is a reflection of a little bit of the some of the mentality that had crept in. I think that's significant. Yeah, I mean, this is this is not a normal kind of a situation at all uh, for somebody to do this because you know. Yeah, it, as you say, it's a, it's a type of incest, and it's brought yeah. about in many ways by the fact that Jacob has wives, two wives, and two concubines. And if he yeah. hadn't done this, then, you know, uh, this young lady would have been single and, you know, been able to yeah. be, you know, married. She yeah. was probably of a similar age to to um, yeah. <coughs> to, so to, to Jacob's sons. And so, you know, it could have been all above board and a wonderful thing, really, but it's not the case. Yeah. Men, men is, <laughs> it, it, the story of Genesis is a story of man and God, isn't it? And that God prevails and uses even the things that were of imperfect choices. He even uses that for good. And we get after all the 12 tribes of Israel here from these arrangements, which were not God's design. Uh, but he, he, God has his agenda and that, of course, uh, finds place regardless. Uh, but uh, there it is. Um, anyway, he comes. He meets up with his dad, who uh, now, of course, is very old, and as we know, died of the age of 180. It's interesting that when you look at the story, and it always fascinated me, 
that when Jacob comes down, he is not in a hurry to be reunited with his father. His father had the favorite son of his father, of course, was his brother Esau. And, uh, but he meets up, and uh, Isaac actually then passes away. He, he, he dies. Mm. And they breathe his last at the ripe old age of 180, which is quite fascinating. And then, of course, again, the reconciliation of Esau and Jacob is affirmed at the last verse, where they both join with the, uh, the funeral of their father. And really between the lines, once again, you can possibly see a situation happening here where, you know, Jacob has heard that his father is is, um, yeah. is on his deathbed and that if he wants to see him, you know, I mean, this is something that, uh, <clears throat> you know, in, in our society thousands of years later we still do when somebody is, is yeah. has come to the end of their life. We all try and, and, and gather as much of the family around the bedside as we can. Um, and reconcile, be reconciled yes, to each other. Yes. Yeah. I think it's a beautiful thought and it's finds place here, which is a very positive note. It is, it is. And and, and this and the story needs this positive it kind of needs this positive twist because it could have gone to some pretty dark places in the lead up to it. But um, oh, yes. Baron, thank you so much for sharing with us once again here about the book of Genesis, taking taking us through chapter thirty five. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to the stories that are coming up next. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.